0: Welcome to the Sip Advisor podcast, brought to you by Imbibe UK, the leading magazine and website for the UK drinks industry. Presented by me, Imbibe Editor Robin Black. Me, Deputy
1: Editor Millie Millican.
2: And me, News Editor Jacob Omatzel.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to the second special episode of our new Sip Advisor by Imbibe podcast series. I'm Imbibe Deputy Editor Millie Millican and in this episode I'll be talking to members of the on-trade about new make spirit. Now new make spirit or unaged spirit or white dog as it is more commonly known in the States is the clear spirit that is taken off the still after distillation and before ageing to eventually become the final product, most commonly whiskey. It's something that distilleries often use to give visitors an idea behind the distillation process but it is often considered to be an unfinished product. Perhaps then, that's why we don't see it too often behind the bar. Other reasons could be that it is often exceptionally high ABV, nearing the 70% mark. Education around it outside distilleries is rare, and it isn't easy to get hold of. But a pre-Covid trip to the then newly opened Shibin bar at the Great Scotland Yard Hotel saw me drinking a Blue Dog featuring Milk and Honey Distilleries Israeli New Make, and it really reignited my love of this often ignored, wonderfully nuanced and surprising category. So over the next half hour or so, I'm going to be talking to Hannah Lamphere of the Mixing Class about new make and education, running through some of my favourite new makes, talking to one of the founders of Kiro Distillery in Finland about how and why they bottled theirs, and finally Simo Simpson of Milroy's and bartender Chris Tanner about using it behind the bar. So without further ado, let's start with Hannah Lamphere, director and founder of the Mixing Class and Imbibe Educator of the Year 2019 we caught up on education around New Make Spirit in the UK. I hope you enjoy. So Hannah, if you wouldn't mind, it'd be great if you could just explain in as basic terms as possible what New Make Spirit is for anyone listening who isn't sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's quite a fascinating one, actually, and really enthralls me because New make spirit is suddenly emerging as almost its own little category. But up until I think extremely recently, we've thought of it as basically whiskey that's not been matured yet. So this is distillate, typically fresh off the stills. And then you would then um, reduce it with water to put in cask for three years minimum. So it became whiskey. But we've seen, you know, several new distilleries pop up in Scotland, Independence and so on. And their concerns, obviously, are to try and get some income coming in while they've got whiskey sat there maturing for the first 10 years or so. And there's been a fashion towards younger, matured whiskey. You know, even I can recall tasting things of three years old, several years ago. Distilleries have been making things like gin, they've been making things like vodka. And now, just as like a little sneak peek of what's happening behind the distillery doors, We've seen more and more and more and more new makes being bottled and sold, so yeah, it's kind of emerged as its own as its own category in a way. And I suppose that idea of trying to keep the roof on the distillery is nothing new. You know, even um, Taketsuri, you know, the famed Japanese. Uh, well, kind of like the, the forefather, I suppose, of Japanese whiskey in some senses. He was selling apple juice to get his distillery off the ground. And yet yeah, in the same vein, these are distilleries trying to get streams of revenue so they can keep ticking on. And is there much education surrounding it out there at the moment? Well, I have to be honest, even as a spirits educator, it's not something that I'm particularly teaching about very much at the moment, but definitely a little nod to this kind of emerging market for it. I'm kind of curious myself to see, is this something that the general public are going to latch on to? Because there's such an interest and buzz in in Scottish whiskey all of the time that you know and you could sell most things I think so in terms of collectors getting interested in what distilleries are doing absolutely this will fly out the door but is that then going to translate into something that people start to drink and it's so hard sometimes to predict these trends I mean who could ever have foreseen the sort of um the the boom of blended scotch whiskey and green tea you know no one saw that coming and that was a massive explosion um over in east asia and yeah you know it could happen you never know
1: is it something that you think bartenders want to get their hands on i know it can be quite difficult to actually you know, have in your bar. Why do you think it's so difficult for bartenders to get their hands on it when it comes to wholesalers?
0: Well, I'd be interested to know if cocktail bars are stocking this because I think, um, in some senses, while cocktail bars sort of lead the trend, I don't think it's necessarily the case that bars are keen to stock things that they don't think they can move through. And in fact, most cocktail bars will kind of have an an, an economy on their purchasing. Where they don't have money in dead stock, you know. So, yeah, that's that's something that enthralls me. But then, as a as a spirit category, it's fascinating because there's absolutely nowhere to hide in terms of quality with this spirit. So, just to go back to that idea about new make and it being almost like a sneak peek into what distilleries are doing, these young upstart distillers are really sort of challenging existing expectations for new make because. I think to date, we've kind of got this idea that grain is really just a tool to create alcohol. And yes, the malting's important, but perhaps the, the grain isn't the most important thing. And then the Scotch whisky industry, by and large, is using one homogenous yeast variety across the board. But then you've started to see distilleries like Waterford down in uh, South, South Ireland, who are kind of bucking that trend and pushing at it and saying, No, we're going to really care about the provenance of the grain. And what we do is fermentation is going to be a bit different. We're going to have really long fermentations and start allowing like malolactic secondary fermentations to take place. And it's so interesting because I've seen lots of these really big distilleries follow suit and start to release new makes. And I wonder if these younger upstarts will be pushing change in the way that people look at certain parts of production which have always been perhaps homogenous you know anyway yeah. to come back to your point because I've waffled off there as I do To come back <laughs> to your point about cocktails um I think that what's interesting to me having been a bar manager you know I've written many menus in my time the the price point of the of the spirit is crucial to whether or not you can put that thing in a cocktail and you make spirits probably not going to be a brand cool thing you know I can't see that we're there yet with with guests requesting it so you have to put it in a drink to make it move but then if you can't get the price point down to a particular number it won't fly in a cocktail because you can't apply the margin and that's an important factor so many of these things are essentially unaged single malt whiskies Um, they are expensive to make. You know, malting is a time-consuming process. It costs money. Uh, I've had a little flick through today on what's available online and it's all coming out, sort of £35 for a bottle and upwards. So, yeah, is this something that we'll see in cocktails? I don't know. Let's see. Maybe not as a base spirit, given the price point, but I'm happy to be corrected if there are bars um, getting through it. Yeah, interesting. Have you ever really seen it on a lot of menus recently well Millie I think you might have mistaken me for someone that goes <laughs> out <as> my, <laughs> I'm 38 now so I'm not i my, my my going out days are past me maybe I've just not been observant enough to to see it but yeah I'd be I, I think innovation with base spirits is something that I absolutely adore to see and um, if this is going to become a trend I'm for it and I'm, I'm totally here for it and yeah, I think it's it's such an interesting thing because it's it's a very full flavoured white spirit and it's made from grain. It's a little bit of the idea of, you know, taking these grain spirits like vodka, but present, presenting them with all the fullness of their raw material flavour
1: hmm. and with flavours yes. of
0: fermentation. So yeah, I'm for it.
1: And do you see there being a kind of, exciting potential of it to grow in coming years when it comes to the education side of it is it something that you would consider if
0: bartenders were hungry for the knowledge Um, I think that you have inspired me to include it in my (sighs) in my WSET education Um, and to be honest it's not a very difficult thing to include because I'm already teaching about the malting the milling the mashing the fermentation and the distillation And all we're doing is saying this is reduced to bottling strength or not, as the case may be, and then sold without the maturation. So it's it's a very easy thing to include, to be honest.
1: (laughs) Perfect. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Um, Yeah. And out of. I'm not sure how many you have tried over your wonderful career, but are there any standout new makes that you can think of that you've tried over the years? I know I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit.
0: Well, you've been de- you've definitely inspired me to taste more. I actually, it's funny you should have asked me this because I've got set in front of me five lovely little samples from Girvan and uh, Girvan. I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, so I'm definitely definitely keen to taste more and um, I've tasted many spirits straight you know at the distillery but I don't think I've tried that many at bottling strength and maybe I too have overlitched this category and need to sort of evaluate um, getting some more tasting in because tasting directly from the still you know at 70 odd ABV is quite a, <laughs> a punishing thing sometimes and yeah but you know trying to bottle bottling strength and mixing with it is a whole different ball game so um I think on my agenda for the day I might see how these things work in martini-esque type cocktails um yeah. I've read online that people are using it in bloody mary's and things like this and I'm interested to know what you've discovered how are people using this
1: well, this is something that I've really enjoyed New Make for a couple of years now, but I very much mm. to it as someone from the industry. Before I came into the industry, I wouldn't have had any idea about it, I don't think. And I very much have only in the past really tried it as a sipping spirit, so very much yep. it as if it was a whiskey, um, because I hadn't seen many any cocktails out there using it really. And I mean, later on in the podcast, I'm going to be talking to Simo from Milroy's. And I know those guys have got a few ideas because I was talking to them about it a few months ago, potentially using it in a highball format. So very much Mm. as if it is um, sort of the fully aged whiskey. Um, But yeah, like you say, using it in a Bloody Mary makes complete sense. Um, With the flavor profile, if you have something that's quite... Petey, I think that would be really nice in the Bloody Mary as well. Um, it, oh, definitely. Versatile spirit. And I'd be really interested to hear how you get on using it in a sort of martini format as well.
0: It's my hope that the UK does start to see spirits at the base of cocktails as somewhere where innovation and, you know, a real sort of passion for spirits can start to shine through. And I don't mean to sound um, curmudgeonly or, you know, Uh, critical about it but because of the way that our spirits industry is set up and we we have wonderful support from multinational companies that really keep the lights on in bars and absolutely right now especially over the virus have enabled um, have enabled bars to to not have to close you know but at the same time because of the um, the trend towards um, cocktail menus having a a pay-to-play element You don't always get that same innovation. And because that's illegal in the US, you do get a real array of spirits at the heart of cocktails where people see that very much as part of the curation, where the flavour profile of the spirit is also a considered part of the cocktail. So um yeah i think it's you know if 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 you're championing that change i am fully behind you um let's make placards and go and march (laughs) about it
1: (laughs) amazing i'm (laughs) with you i'm with you thank you so much for chatting to me hannah
0: you're very welcome cheer bye see
1: you soon bye Thank you to Hannah for that insightful and educational discussion and I'm glad our conversation has inspired her to delve a bit deeper into the world of new make. Speaking of I've raided my own collection and very kindly been sent a few others to go through some of what's in the market at the moment. I've tasted all of them and recorded some of my thoughts and tasting notes. If you've got any at home I'd recommend sipping along too. So first up we have Cotswolds Distillery's White Pheasant. This comes off the copper pot stills at the idyllic distillery in Warwickshire and is what eventually becomes its single malt whiskey. It's been slightly diluted to casking strength with it sitting at 63.5% ABV. On the nose tropical fruits really come through and there's a pronounced note especially of foam bananas like the ones you get in pick and mix which I really love. And this almost moves into banana bread, which I'm sure we're all familiar with post lockdown, as well as stone fruits like pear. On the palate, that banana bread is complemented by toasted oats and barley. And I find this to be a really surprising liquid, especially in terms of the new make category. This would work really well as a base spirit, although the guys at the distillery do recommend it as a sipping new make as well. Next up, we are traveling to Tel Aviv to the milk and honey distillery, which I mentioned earlier on in the podcast. It's Israel's first whiskey distillery. So this new make is really quite special as part of that story. It's double distilled from malted barley in pot stills and on the nose there's this real hit of red fruits and rose with marshmallow and the guys at Milk and Honey also also describe the aroma of the air after it's rained and that does actually really come through in a sort of fresh sweetness. On the palate though there is a bitterness that comes through with some dark chocolate and malt and a bit more length than I was expecting. And the lower ABB of 40% makes it less harsh as a sipping new make. Again, another interesting spirit to use as a base for cocktails. Now we're moving to the States for Buffalo Traces White Dog Mash Number 1. This is a great example of what bourbon new make tastes like from Kentucky. It's made using corn, rye and malted barley. And you really get those pronounced notes of corn, more like sweet corn on the nose with some vanilla and that malty sweetness from the barley. On the palate, it is surprisingly smooth, considering it's 62.5% ABV. And as it lengthens, that rye is the lingering flavour, which is really pleasant and just rounds that initial bite you get. Just before the COVID-19 crisis took hold, um, I picked up a bottle of the Dornock Distillery in Scotland's New Make Spirit. It's made using floor-malted plumage Archer barley, and fermented for up to 10 days in open-top oak barrels. On the nose, it's sweet and milky, almost like a vanilla milkshake or ice cream. And on the palate come three more floral notes. And there's a really creamy texture as well to this new make. And despite its 60% ABV, it drinks well as a sipping spirit. But I could also imagine this working really nicely lengthened in something like a highball. Next up, the Artful Dodger Whiskey Collective has bottled London's Bimber distilleries, New Make. Again, this is bottled at 63.5% ABV. And on the nose, there's actually some zest, which is really pronounced and probably the most pronounced out of the group. And again, there's this touch of foam banana, but this time a little bit less malty and there are more dark berries like blackberry jam coming through those dark fruits come through really nicely on the palate and there is almost a little bit of a manuka honey on the finish as well. I think this is the perfect new make for a cocktail over a sipping new make. And finally we are in Finland with Yuri from the Kiro distillery. This in my completely unbiased opinion is probably my favourite of the bunch. It's rye based and that's what really becomes the distillery's single malt and what really hits you in the face is that overwhelming aroma of rye bread which if you put a drop of this in your hands and rub them together and then smell them it just really intensifies that rye aroma it's such a clean expression of the ingredients used to make the final whiskey from these guys and on the palate it's so smooth and that rye just carries all the way through with a bit of spice accentuating it as well It does work in cocktails, but for me, especially at 46.3% ABV, this is just the perfect sipping new make. Speaking of Yuri, I was actually lucky enough to try it at the Kiro Distillery in Finland. And I was so taken with it then, and I still am now, that I thought it would be really interesting to catch up with one of the distillery's founders, Mika Lipinen, to ask why they bottled their new make and how it has been received by customers and what plans they have for it for the future. Now, the last time I was with Mika, we were in a hot tub drinking the distillery's RTDs with a group of rather boisterous bartenders and some other trade journalists. So this was a slightly more sedate affair but no less enjoyable by any means. So Mika, if you could just talk me through the process of how your Yuri spirit came into being and why you decided to bottle your new make or unaged rye spirit.
3: So, um, well, first of all, thanks for having me. And it's really, I think, a two-sided decision. One of them is that... It was our idea right from the get-go to bring people along for the ride. So we we're at this for the first time, uh, none of us have been in the business before, so our first distillery um, and starting from scratch is of course quite exciting and quite intimidating and it's it's easier, uh, at least we thought so, uh, that it's easier to bring people along and, and really have them taste what day zero tastes like and then go on from there and the other side of uh, the equation obviously is that we need to get the word out there and where we're from in Finland we're not allowed to advertise hard spirits or us as a hard spirit sort of maker so we had to get the product out there for, for people to have any idea what what we're doing and what's coming up so so it's those two decisions really that made us release Yuri back in 2014
1: perfect and how has the reaction to it been from the people who have tried it so far
3: well <laughs> to be honest it's <laughs> been it's been delightfully mixed so <laughs> what, what happened was that we got off to such a, a fabulous start back in our home country of Finland that we became pretty well known and we became known quite quickly also for our gin. What happened there was that there was a bit of a misguided desire for some bars and even the national retail monopoly that we have in Finland to market our product as whiskey. And of course oh. if, if you're expecting a, a full-blooded, because we do a rising single malt, but if you're yeah. expecting a rising, uh, like a single malt spirit, you might, first of all, wonder about the color, sort of what's going on. And then you might wonder about, you know, <laughs> what's the taste of <laughs> yeah, it? Because it's, it's really, uh, uh, well, we'll get to it later, but it's a big taste. Some people even accidentally bought the bottle instead of our kurajin, and that of course created a massive gap in expectations <laughs> and we 've had to unfortunately answer quite a few yuri tonic questions about you know what 's going on here. The people who have known what to what they 're going into that they 're trying a new experience have been generally extremely delighted about it. And uh, there's a sort of a hardcore audience that's formed around the big, bold taste that it has. And uh, we've gotten a lot of thanks also for sort of showing our work in making our whiskey.
1: So let's talk about Yuri. It's an amazing product. I was really lucky to try it for the first time at your distillery last year, I think it was. Do you want to just talk through the process of how it's made? Um, And then we can have a chat about sort of the flavour profiles afterwards.
3: So how it's made? It's... um, When we started making rye whiskey, our core idea was to make rye an integral part of the taste. And I think there's a bit of an issue here because Finns see rye uh, and have a taste image of rye in a very different way than most would. Uh, Rye is not very widely eaten in most of the world. Um, And rye spirits that are made, especially in Canada, and to some extent in USA, um, for a fin, they wouldn't really taste a whole lot like rye. Okay. So our idea was like, if we're going to use rye, then let's let's take it really all the way, and and let's do a hundred percent rye spirit, and not only hundred percent rye grain, but rye malt at that. And uh, and that sort of philosophy carried out through. And we were from the beginning trying to find out the best way to have right taste in there but still have a have a spirit that's very multi-dimensional and and uh, can age really well in a cask so uh, we implemented some uh, some of our peculiarities such as what we do uh, fairly traditional like scottish style double pots copper uh, pot still distillation but we also do a a massively long fermentation period of uh, over six six days which also yeah. uh, grants a lot of flavor already in the in the fermentation phase, and then for casks we use mostly both new and previously used American oak, though we have some some other uh, options there as well. but for you specifically, it was all about um, reimagining sort of what what a finished grappa would be like or or a hervy or even a uh, Ram Magregor, um or, or the similar really strong really uh, area indicative uh, white spirits and I think we really got there.
1: Yeah I mean it's a fantastic product um, I remember when we tried it the distillery the rye is such a wonderfully strong component of this drink and I've tried so many other new make spirits that And it's just incomparable, really. I think it's a fantastic product. Is it something that you ever thought that you would be
3: bottling? Well, in the beginning, of course, we we wanted to bring people along for the ride and and we weren't sure whether it's going to last in our selection. And to some extent, we've uh, faded it away from our main selection, so we don't even sell it at Finnish national retail chain anymore. But we still keep it on in the selection because it's attracted such a hardcore gr- crowd around it. There's people in, in Germany, in Netherlands, in, in uh, UK, in, uh, in Japan especially, who really always want to have that along for the ride in, in their bar shelves or, or uh, in their repertoire. I, I know for a fact that uh, uh, Little Red Door, when they do guest shifts or have done guest, guest shifts, they've had our smoky version of Yuri on, on on the trips with them in their guest menu so yeah so it's it's got this fanatic niche that won't allow us to kill the product (laughs) whereas uh, some in our team maybe would have liked to do that but it's still there
1: Um, that's fantastic to know that those guys are using it. I think on the UK side, in terms of the commercial aspect of anything like mm. new make or an unaged spirit, it's not something that you see a lot on back bars in the UK. Is, it some, is that something that you would be potentially liking to do to expand it, have it more as a trade product? Because we don't see a lot of new make at the moment over here in the UK.
3: Mm, yeah, I'm. I'm not quite sure about expanding the product at all it's definitely it's such a niche taste and even spirits categories that are slightly similar uh like grappa um or are, are finding it hard to really spread it far out of their country and if you think of like Baijiu being the world's biggest spirit category mm. it's really hard for them to sell outside china so i think we might be sort of slightly misguided if we try to push a, push the product a lot but then again it offers this fantastic vehicle for us to talk about our whiskey process and and really bring to fore what's special about Finnish rye and making products about Finnish rye and and the start of the whiskey journey so let's say as interest and an educational tool plus i think a mixing challenge it's always interesting to have around we'll be happy to always present it in our tastings some people will find it from there and some will take it really into their heart and carry it forward
1: just talking then you know bringing it into the mix when I came out to visit you guys I was on a trip with journalists but bartenders as well and I think they were quite Mm -hmm. sort of enamored with the spirit itself do you have a lot of bartenders coming to the distillery and discovering it and wanting to use it to mix or is it very much a kind of, do you see it as a sipping product, standalone product?
3: Yes, we still have a lot of people visiting. It, it lends itself very well to the kinds of drinks where would, you would use a strong white spirit as the base alcohol. I see it more as a sipping spirit because I, I see it more as a sort of this experiential and learning concept rather than um, like an everyday drink type of thing. But I have tasted some fantastic cocktails that have been made out of it. Starting from your, even from a very basic, like Moscow mule take, Mm. uh, to a beetroot, old-fashioned, all the way to a milk-based drink. So it's, got, it's definitely got its applications, but it, it requires quite a lot of imagination and a, quite a lot of balancing since it's such a strong spirit. Exactly.
1: And in terms of what's going on at the distillery at the moment, when I came, you were in the midst of building a whole new part of the distillery. What's What are you up to at the moment? What's going on?
3: Well, there's always, there's always something going on. We, <laughs> we got the new whiskey steel line finished, uh, I think, the end, formal ending of the commission, commissioning was in January. Now we're distilling quite a lot of whiskey actually, like really becoming probably, if not the biggest, but at least one of the biggest of Europe's right distillers. We're now in the process of releasing our first sort of mainstay whiskey. So we started in 2014 and we're now in a point where we feel that we can release something that's in the marketplace quite permanently, looking more or less the same, tasting more or less the same from now on out. And that's coming in August. So, of course, it's very, very exciting. And again, slightly scary times, but... uh really looking forward to it and and developing the whiskey side quite fast
1: well if anyone can do it you guys can I'm sure of that thank you well thank you so much Mika for having a chat with me about your new mate rice spirit I have just bought myself another bottle because I've run out of the existing one (laughs) so if if anyone keeps it in business it's going to be me don't worry about it well thanks
4: very very much. much
1: and hopefully I will see you back over in london at some time soon that'd be fantastic who knows we'll see what happens
3: yeah i will come the first chance i get to leave me i'll bring <laughs> right. you some yuri
1: yay thank you i was hoping you'd say that <laughs>
3: thank <laughs> you so much
1: <laughs> thanks mika all
3: right thanks willie bye
1: thank you very much to mika there from kiro distillery if you are intrigued and fancy having a bottle of your own yuri the guys at Master of Malt are currently stocking it on their website so head over and check it out. Now before we went into lockdown one of the last venues I visited was Melroy's in Spitalfields where I sat down for a cocktail and a chat with the owner Simo Simpson and Chris Tanner who runs the downstairs proofing room bar. We were speaking about Newmake and the guys interest in including it more in their bar menus but of course Covid put an abrupt end to those plans. However, I thought I'd catch up with them for this podcast to speak more broadly about Newmake as a spirits category from a venue's point of view and to find out how they enjoy drinking it. So when we last spoke, we were all in the proofing room below Milroy's and Spitalfields and we were discussing the potential of you guys including Newmake on your menus. Is that something that's right. on the cards? Chris, maybe you want to start on
4: this one? I mean, it definitely is still on the cards, obviously, with everything that's going on at the moment. Any sort of new menu development has had to sort of take a back seat to just getting through COVID-19 <laughs> and, yeah, getting, and getting open. <laughs> but definitely something that's still on the cards. It's something that, I think, after we talked about it as well, something that's still... Like, really exciting for us to,
2: to try and get our teeth into. Cool. And Samo, so, what about you? Oh, yeah, really excited. For me, it's kind of bringing, you know, we have this, because, you know, cause, you know we're, we're, we're Milroy's sort of very, very old whisky specialist. We have the luxury of, if you say, just to sort of try lots of new makes from around Scotland and different sclery. So, so we get to try it and sort of taste it. and We see these huge differences in it. So it, it's going to be really exciting for us to actually bring that to the public eye a little bit. Sure, show them the differentiation between them. Not all whiskey you make is the same. It's actually quite different, and you know it's very versatile as well in cocktails. And And to be honest, I I like drinking it straight, but you know, (laughs) I suppose if I give it 70% proof. Gros yeah sure it's quite legal but yeah
1: speaking of versatility then in cocktails how would you guys want to see it being shown or used in cocktails either with you guys or if you were to go out and would you be surprised to see it in a certain way in another bar Chris I don't know whether you've um, probably got some thoughts on that
4: I think there's definitely a huge, there's a huge breadth in New Mate. Personally for me, like I think it lends itself to like a kind of a lighter, more elegant style of drink, like look like, at florality, a little bit more dilution, highball styles I think is where it really shines. But I think, again, I guess, you know, it's not something that is, is often seen. So the scope is, is huge because there's, no, there's no, there's there's a, there's nothing, nothing's really been done before. Do you know what I mean? There's a, it's nothing, yeah. it's not, it's not a, a
2: concept that's been out. Yeah, before. it's it's almost as um, you know, it, it's it's as versatile as whiskey itself. You know, Scotch itself is so different from you know across every sort of region and all sorts. Now, obviously, there is some there is cast types of biskies play massive play massively into this, but you know, the starter liquid is um, you know, I would love to see it in other bars. If if I saw a new make be, yeah. eyeball or martini, I, it would catch my eye. I'd probably go straight to it. I'd beeline to that cocktail. Bar. This sounds interesting.
1: A, so, why don't you think more bars feature new make on their menus?
2: I think it's a lot to do with access, really. I mean, it's if you imagine these distilleries, you know, that you know people like Ardberg or like about they're pumping out sort of four million litres, two million litres a year. You know, it's a lot of stuff. It goes into whiskey. Now, of course, there's a lot of hands, a lot of hands, oh, a lot of hands, hands <laughs> um, so of course, they're putting it into casks, and of course, casks age over time, they become more valuable to the distillery, the older it gets. You know, if you look at it on that basis, distilleries, having an unaged liquid on site is an incredibly expensive thing for them to store and bottle up and produce, you know, and so You know, given that as well, on the other side of the market, on the customer-facing market, it's not a well-enough known product. So, it's kind of like expensive them to store, <laughs> not, not to produce, but to store, um, but in comparison to whiskey. But also, there's no route to market. What do you reckon?
4: Um, yeah, I think access is a big thing. I think you know, we, we talked about it before. You know, like it, by, by definition, it's an unfinished product. Right, so there's no, there's no impetus for anyone to release it. It's not the end game. People aren't, they like a distillery isn't opening going like, oh, I can't wait to pump out all this new make. <laughs> like they've, like they've, they've got an MO and the new make is just, is just part of that journey. So like you don't you, so there isn't, it's not that it, it obviously doesn't really have a route to market, but there's no real value in giving it a route to market. No one sets out to produce it.
1: And in terms of bartender perception of New Make, I was talking to Hannah Lamfair earlier of the mixing class, and she was talking about this sort of lack of education around it. Do you know what other bartenders who you know well in the community, are there any who are also big fans of New Make and who are sort of chomping at the bit as well to get stuff on their menus?
2: Yeah, I mean, on my Christian on the cocktail side, so on my on my the whiskey side for me especially, it's it's a well-known thing, obviously, because you know we're quite geeky out when it comes to whiskey and all. Any other, other sort of spirit, that you know, we like to taste the new make, especially when we go up to Scotland or you know uh, America, or Japan. We like to go and taste the new makes for us. It's the crux of the actual liquid itself
4: in the whiskey world, it's a well-known thing. Other Chris cocktail world, I yeah, like, like Buffalo Trace have done like huge amounts of work, sort of pushing through like their new make. You know, it's a nice and, you, and obviously it pops up at like trainings and stuff, and it's a nice way people yeah. to show that like, they. they kind of their grain recipes, um, their mash bills. But in terms of education, I think the education is there. But again, it's not, it's not other products that people are setting out to make. So not only is there no impetus to release it, there's also no, no real necessity for the education. So out, outside, of the, outside of the context of how it, how it becomes something else, the education doesn't exist. But bartenders, I think, are excited by it and enjoy it. And so I think education really needs to kind of be more consumer-facing to, like, drive demand.
1: Yeah. What do you think the perception would be for consumers now if you were to unleash a sort of load of new, new makes (laughs) that face cocktails on them,
4: especially now? I think you're going to see a split here, like, between Simo and I think... <laughs> because I think what would ultimately happen is you would get a lot of like whiskey geeks that would just be like, well, what's the point in that, right? Like, <laughs> right. But then, so but then you get on the other side people who kind of into cocktails, kind of being excited by it. I think there would be a very there would
2: be a clear line there. A lot of people going like,
4: why have they done that? They just wasted a bunch of new names.
2: Yeah, I mean, there is obviously I come from like it's it's an unfinished product in the world of whiskey. I don't know. I mean, the consumer. I think initially consumer would definitely treat it like a vodka. You know, yeah. it's kind of that clear spirit. Uh, you know, they, they feel like it has no soul. I mean, but, you know, I, I'm not the biggest fan of vodka in the world. I, I, think, I think also, you, like, I think you have to
4: steer. Like, I think the industry as a whole maybe put too much emphasis on that kind of moonshine vibe yeah. like a while yeah. back. And I think that was definitely wrong foot for it. It's a good product in and of itself. It doesn't need it doesn't need that. And I think you'd have to yeah, they try to drive, drive the consumer perception away from that. Yeah, this whole illicit distilling in the
2: hills. Well, yeah, you know, like, that, yeah, it's yeah not it's not that, that. Like, no. moonshine used to kill
4: you back in the day. But like, yeah, that, you, know what, you know what I mean. That, moon, <laughs> that moonshine <laughs> spirits, people saying, "Oh, isn't that a moonshine?"
2: Like, well. No, yeah, it's like a similar thing that people have with like absinthe, you know, you know the, the connotations around this country and absinthe. You know, if you go to France, it's sort of like yeah. absinthe, absence a beautiful drink. Over here, it's you drink it, to see the green fairy. Well, <laughs> we want the, like, like, awesome. what's that? Like,
4: like, We have a colleague who like, talks about the bottom. People like, when people are like, oh, it's a speakeasy. Like, and, and Jack's like, I've always wanted to just like open up an actual speakeasy. You know, like, <laughs> like it's like all the drinks are shit, and halfway through, the police kick you out. <laughs> <laughs> So, and I don't think there's that kind of like perception to a point with like with New Made, is that the consumer perception of it sort of sits around that kind of moonshine style of drink when when yeah. it actually has it has merit in and of itself.
1: How would you guys envisage it working in the bar in a cocktail, for instance? Would you have it like you said, similar as a sort of sipping product, or obviously incorporating it into cocktails? How would you best use it behind the bar? I
2: mean, I would. I mean. In the whiskey bar, I'd I'd always like to do like a side-by-side. I'd love to do like a side-by-side sort of new. We don't them in the past, we've got our hands on it. Like, you know, this is the new spirit, this is the, like, Kill home, for example, new spirit. And this is after 10 years. Highball, I think it would work really well. Yeah,
4: highballs for sure. A
2: martini to put you on your back. <laughs> like,
4: like, <laughs> yeah. I guess. I think I think also like you know I think also just exploring it yeah certainly I think highball for sure I mean, that's for me where it sits. We again we were saying before about the kind of the advent of like the hard seltzer. that's that style of drink. I think it lends itself to that. But then at the same time, it made a great tincture, isn't it? Well, at the same time, like it'd be good for like you know a small amounts to kind of act as a modifier, shifting shifting the flavor profile of of a drink. But I don't know. Like it's, again, like, like we said before, there's no real like new make cocktail cannon that's out there. Mm. So
2: it's nice. It be just nice to see what people do with it. It's a shame, really, because we've tried some incredible new makes. You know, Klein Louis Tarska, fantastic, really waxy stuff. You know, I've, I've been lucky enough to try Craig Alecky's new make, really fruity. Kiel and again, smoky but like tropical fruit just piling through. it. So you know, we've been lucky enough to try like a lot of new makes, but it's so it's a shame for us to see that there is not much on the market. But then again, yeah. we understand there's no route to market for it. I mean, how do you set up a category like that? It's so diverse
0: <laughs> and
4: so d- distillery-like specific. There is, that, there is that kind of movement now towards, like, I think, like sort of somewhat on, in the wake of like the gin craze that you're seeing distilleries shift their new mate as like botanical spirit, not as a gin, but like as like using it, allowing the new mate to shine, but with, like, with, with botanicals included. And I think yeah. that's a really nice way to kind of explore what distilleries can produce. Like, not me into it. Their stuff is really great. And their young whiskey is delicious. It's, yeah. again, a good opportunity to see what a new mate can become. But yeah, I think, I think yeah, it's out there. It's just, you just need more access.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just access to, like, the bars. You know, it, you, you've got to be a very special bar to get access to this stuff. And mm. so it's... I like to see it more on, I, I bang on about the whiskey side of things, but it's because they produce the most amount of like new yeah. make that's in my mind, you know, has so much character to it. <laughs> it, it and that's what I like to come from because I've tasted, I've tried it, it's so versatile, and so different each one. So I'd like to see more distilleries go down when they come down to the tastings or anything. Or bring I, down I guess, I, guess bring no, I never read,
4: really, I actually, because like, I sort of imagine that when we're talking about this it's very much in the context of the whiskey industry. Yeah. But then I've tried some like insane, insane like Esther heavy rums that they'll that they'll yeah. be intervening. Mm. Which are fucking crazy. And I, to be fair, I feel like there are probably too many Estes to be, like, <laughs> legally released <as> well, right? <laughs> yeah. But, like, you know, like, like, the scope for it is huge. And it would be amazing to see stuff like that come out as well.
1: Well, thank you so much, guys. I kind of think we need to all meet up at some point and have some new make martinis the next time we can all get Oh, to-
2: Definitely. As <laughs> some finals. Or can we definitely. just go through, like, the, the cocktail category and just see just for shits and giggles and see which one works the best research isn't it yeah market
1: research is always really important (laughs) it definitely is (laughs) well thank you so much guys for chatting to me and um thank you thank you very
4: much
1: thank you very much to simo and chris for chatting to me about new make behind the bar as well as all of my other interviewees for this special episode of sip advisor by imbibe I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did and go away with either a newfound or reignited interest in the nuanced world of new make I hope to see it popping up on menus in the coming months thanks for listening
2: thank you for listening to the sip advisor
1: podcast brought to you by imbibe uk the leading magazine and website for the uk drinks industry If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and help your colleagues and friends discover the show by sharing and writing a review.
2: You'll find more relevant content on our website at imbibe.com where you can also sign up for a free copy of our quarterly print magazine and weekly newsletter. And please follow us on social media at UK.
1: And if you wish to get in touch, send us some feedback, comments or ideas. You can reach us on podcast
0: at imbibe.com.